Well, I've discovered what it takes to get a good crowd out on Thursday night. We just need to have the threat of a possible world war, an invasion of another country by the Russians, and people will show up. So anyway, it is good to see uh, all of you here. And uh, Barb's got some of the promise books that we've printed. So if you don't have a promise book, just raise your hand because we have several visitors here tonight. Make sure everybody everybody gets one. I'll talk about that uh, in just just a minute. So it's uh, I think all of us. Well, let's go ahead and pray first. I want to do that. I always recite some scripture. And so I will recite scripture that has to do with focusing on the Lord and trusting him no matter what. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall defend your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus." Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. For the grass withers, and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. So before we get started, we'll have a few moments of silent prayer, and as our custom, we'll have uh, I mean, we'll have a few moments of silent prayer, and then I will open in prayer. And we have silent prayer to make sure that we are spiritually prepared as we will be studying the Word and learning about the use of God's Word in Ukraine during this time of war. So let's bow our heads together, and after a few moments, I will open in prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so grateful that we can be together this evening. We're thankful that Igor and his family are here and they're safe and they have a few weeks of respite from living in a war-torn country. We're thankful for those who have been students in the Word of God Bible College and also part of the Word of God Church and the impact of the teaching of your word has had upon their lives and how that now is being used throughout not only Ukraine but surrounding countries where the students and members of the church have now fled. Father, we continue to pray for this situation in Ukraine. We pray that uh, you will cause the leadership, the planning, the logistics, the Computers, everything related to the war to, on the part of the Russians to have problems fall apart, malfunction, and fail. And we pray that if you aren't, it's not your plan to end the war soon, we pray that we will have many, many more opportunities to give the gospel to those who are yearning for some understanding of what may happen after death. 
So, Father, we pray these things, and we pray that tonight as we talk about these things that you will be glorified. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Now, over the last year, because in about 40 minutes, it will be the exact one-year moment from the time that I awakened at 4.15 in Kiev to the sound of explosions. Jim heard similar explosions about the same time. Eager was sleeping through it, but his wife woke him up and said, you know, what's that, what's that noise? He said, oh, they're just test firing and went back to sleep. It didn't last long. I mean, I heard about four explosions and, and that was it. But that's, so this is the one year anniversary of the beginning of that. And throughout this time, we've been subject to a lot of contradictory reports as to the nature of the war and what is going on. Some of it is because certain people in this country believe every bit of Russian propaganda that comes out. Of course, they don't realize that it's Russian propaganda. And they believe the disinformation. And other people uh, aren't sure. They ask questions because they hear contradictory things. And it seems like everywhere I go, people ask me, well, are, are, is the story that we're being told really true? And I always say, well, what story are you being told? And it just there's a lot of confusion. So it's important for us to understand what's going on over there because as is historically true of Americans, we are terribly ignorant of what is going on in Eastern Europe. We don't know the culture, we don't know the religion, we don't know the history, and we really don't know the current events that have led up to what is happening in Ukraine. And as a result of that, people fall prey to all kinds of misinformation and disinformation. Scripture says that for lack of knowledge, the people perish. And lack of knowledge just means plain old ignorant. So we have a lot of questions about things like, we sure seem to be throwing a lot of money over there, and there sure seems to be reports of corruption. Well, we don't know about that. We know uh, we are not in a position to do that. We are not in a position to really affect a lot of policy. And so what we're focusing on is what we do know and what we can affect, and that is the spiritual condition of the people in Ukraine. And that involves more than simply praying for them, but also providing lots of logistical aid, which we've done over the last year, as well as uh, we have the Promise Book. We've had it translated into Ukrainian. It's translated into Russian, but hasn't been printed yet in Russian. That's a good thing to pass out to the uh, prisoners of war. We have it translated, but not printed yet, in Romanian and in Polish. Jim will be going back over there to Poland and, uh, and Ukraine in April and again in May. So we'll be printing probably another five or 6,000 uh, that an eager will get some of those to take with him that he's been taking to the, uh, to the front lines. And so what we're going to do tonight is basically I'm going to start off with some introduction in terms of setting our focus biblically. And then uh, eager will come up 
and he is going to tell us about the war and the things that he has been going through in the last year. He is a former student of the Word of God Bible College about 20 years ago, and he's been in pastoral ministry ever since, and so he'll give us a report on what's going on with his church. And then we'll have a video report from Oleg Lezinski, who uh, also lives in the village where and upstairs from where Jim and Phyllis live. And he will be giving us a report on the spiritual condition of the church, what's going on there, what they're doing. And then, uh, and that's via video. And then Jim is coming up and he will close things out uh, and talk about other things that he knows about, what's going on with other, uh, some of the students that have gone to different countries, other places and just what his ministry is developing as he goes to Poland, goes to uh, Ukraine in, in May, to down near where we cross the border. So that's what's going on. As we live our lives, we all face challenges. We face good times, and it's as important to handle the good times biblically as it is the hard times. We face adversity. We face troubles. We have Suffering, sometimes intense suffering from physical maladies and disease. And we also live in a world where there's a threat of nuclear war. Uh, This war could easily explode into World War III. And for many people, that is something that gives them a lot of anxiety. But we know one thing, and that is that God is in control of history and that God is faithful and that God has given us promises in his word so that as we face times that cause us to be anxious or to be fearful, the promises in God's word say that he is more than able to handle any situation that we might face and that he has given us in his word the promises and the principles that we need in order to trust him in the most uncertain and dark times, even if it may Uh, cost us our life. We continue to serve him because that's why we are here. So I'm going to run through some promises. I thought about just going through one one psalm, but I thought, no, I'm going to go through some key verses in different psalms to lay out the picture. It is important for us to learn how to pray. A lot of Christians really don't know how to pray. And a model of prayer for us is in the Psalms. You have 150 Psalms. Some are Psalms focusing on praise. Some are Psalms that focus on giving thanks. Others are Psalms that focus on David or the psalmist that is unnamed facing some sort of crisis, trouble, difficulty, whether it's external or whether it is just within him. They're distressed, anxious, fearful, angry, and how they work through that biblically by focusing upon God. Psalm 28, 1 and 2 is the opening of a prayer by David. He says, To you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent to me, lest if you are silent to me I become like those who go down to the pit or the grave. Hear the voice of my supplications when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands 
toward your holy sanctuary. And so we see here that he is calling upon the Lord, and he calls him my rock. This is a ubiquitous metaphor for God's power, God's stability, God's faithfulness, and his protection for us. Some passages in Deuteronomy just refer to the Lord as the rock, as a nickname, as it were, for God. And so in this, we see this emphasis on the stability of God and his protection. There are other metaphors that we'll see that focus on his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence, that God knows every detail of every problem, of every difficulty, of every national crisis, every international crisis, every war that has ever happened and will ever happen. And when he revealed his word to us, he did it so that he would give us what we needed so that we can handle anything. There's nothing surprises God, nothing in your life, nothing in my life. Last year, as you know, when I was in Ukraine, after two days after I landed, they closed down all the flights through Europe. And no European airlines were flying into Ukraine. And then we decided in consultation with board members that maybe I should get on a flight and get home. So I got on the first one I could, which was the next Friday, On after uh, I taught classes for six hours on Thursday. I went down to get tested for COVID, and I was positive. It's obvious God wanted me to stay, and I was totally relaxed. I, I wasn't worried before, but there was just a, a, a certainty about that when I got COVID, that I was still there for a reason, and that became apparent as the next week, events of the next week unfolded. And so I knew God was in control. And when we know God's in control, no matter what we're facing, it, it gives us opportunity to relax. Psalm 9, 9 says, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And if you go through the Psalms, you could underline all of the places that talk about trouble. And different words are used, emphasizing slightly different things. Uh, but the Lord is our refuge, and this is a word that refers to sort of a high, rocky outcrop where you can hide and be protected from whatever is coming your way. The word here for trouble is only used two times, and it refers to a drought. And a drought brings trouble because of the dr with a drought, there's no crops. With no crops, there's no food. Then you have a famine, and it threatens your life. So it's a very real situation. Psalm 27.5 uses a different word for trouble. For in the time of trouble, this just general word for adversity, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he will hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. It's interesting how many times this imagery of being on a high rock it indicate you're a, indicates you're, we're above the trouble and that we are protected by, and this word for rock can often refer to an enormous boulder or a rocky escarpment. It's enormous. It's not just God's rock that I can hold in my hand. It's a huge rocky place. In Psalm 22:11, he pleads with God, Be not far from me. 
for trouble is near. And that's true for all of us all the time. Trouble is near and there is none to help. All of the things that people look for, from psychotherapy to drugs to alcohol to entertainment to pleasure, all of these things do not help. They do not give peace. They do not give stability. They do not resolve the difficulties in our lives. In Psalm 25, 17, he says, the troubles of my heart, that's, that's in his mind, his thinking. He's, it, this is internal. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. These are mental attitude problems, difficulties. We might call them today emotional problems. You're distressed, you're discouraged, you're de, uh, depressed. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. God can do that. Well, some people would say, oh, they didn't have psychotherapy. They didn't have these great drugs we have today. No, they didn't. God is sufficient. That's the point. Psalm 50, verse 15 says, call upon me. This is God talking. Call upon me in a day of trouble. I will deliver you. Sometime, frequently, if it's easier for me. No, all the time. It's a universal promise God has made to us. I will deliver you and you will glorify me. That's the response. When God has delivered us, then we glorify him for what he has done, which is what Jim and I did last year after we came out. Psalm 77, 2 says, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. A lot of people in the day of their trouble, they seek drugs, they seek pleasure, they seek distractions. We're to seek the Lord. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. Most of us have had nights when we don't sleep very well and we're constantly pleading with the Lord and thinking through promises. My soul refused to be comforted, not because he wasn't paying attention, but it was, we're so distressed, you're just praying all the time over and over again, but it doesn't seem to go away. In 1 Corinthians, Paul refers back to the Exodus generation, the generation that saw all of the miracles of God bringing them through the ten plagues in Egypt, bringing them through the Red Sea, bringing them through the desert, providing the manna for them, providing uh, water coming out of the rock for them. They've seen all of these things. Some people say, if we could just see miracles, we'd be okay. No, you wouldn't. A lot of people saw Jesus do miracles. They didn't believe in him. The Exodus generation saw God do amazing miracles, and they didn't trust him. And they were failures, so much so that God did not allow them to go into the promised land because when they saw the giants and the walled cities and the number of people that were there, they said, we just can't do it except for two. God let them live long enough to go through the conquest. You see, God is our present help in time of trouble. But in 1 Corinthians 10, after 12 verses where, where Paul describes what the failures were in the Exodus generation, he then makes his point to the Corinthians. He said, no testing has overtaken you except as is common to man. You go through the Bible. Everybody since Adam sinned has the same problems we have. He says, no testing is overtaken you except as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested beyond your ability. 
Now, what that means is, as a believer, God's given you the Holy Spirit who indwells you in the completed Word of God. That's your ability. It's not because God thinks you're so such a good Christian you can handle all that problem. He's given us the resources. And so he says, Do, uh, I will not allow you to be tempted above what you're able, but with the temptation also make a way of escape which doesn't mean that you get out of jail free. It means that you may be able to endure it. God's not going to remove it, but he'll give you the strength to endure it. That Exodus generation is con- uh, condemned by the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. And I'll just focus on verse 2. He says, For indeed the gospel was preached to us, that is, the current generation of the uh, recipients of the, this epistle, uh, that um, is preached to us as well as to them, that is, the Exodus generation in context. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You often hear people say, well, I just don't know that Christianity works. Well, you've got to really trust God, not just 90% or 70%. You just have to trust God, and you have to know his word so you know that you're using his word correctly. Psalm 27:14 gives another part to this, and that is the command to wait on the Lord. That's tough, to wait on the Lord, just to, you don't know what's going to happen, you don't know how it's going to happen, but you wait. You continue to trust God. God. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 26, 1, to you I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Do not be silent, lest if you are silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Nine times one word for rock is used in the Psalms, and nine other times another word is used for rock, but they both have a very a very similar meaning. So 18 times we have rock mentioned in reference to God in the Psalms. Psalm 18.46, the Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. Let the God of my salvation be exalted. And then in 18.2, we read, look at this, seven different metaphors to describe the strength and protection of God. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my strength, my shield, and the horn of my salvation and my stronghold. That's a pretty intensive list of protection metaphors. And yet we think, oh, well, God's really not watching and he's not helping Well, first of all, how often have you read through the Word? You ought to read through the Psalms. Read through the Psalms regularly. Underline these these things. Underline words for trust, for weight, for God's uh, attributes. As we go through this, we see that rock is used 18 times. Fortress is used 8 times. Deliverer is used 19 times. Strength is used around 60 times. Shield is used 19 times. Horn of my salvation one time, and stronghold or refuge 19 times in the Psalms. That's for emphasis. We, we don't get it just hearing it two or three times. We come to Psalm 55, 22, which says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never per, uh, permit the righteous 
to be moved, and that's to have their faith shaken and destroyed. First Peter 5, 7 says the same thing. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Everything, nothing is too small or irrelevant to, to God. He wants everything. Psalm twenty-seven fourteen says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Psalm 37, 7 says, Rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Do not fret. Three commands. Rest, wait patiently, and don't fret. Don't worry. Because of him who prospers in his way. Don't worry about Putin. Don't worry about these madmen. Trust in the Lord, and he will sustain you. So what we see in all of this is that with God, nothing is impossible. No matter what we face in life, good or bad, we have to go to the Lord in prayer. We have to trust him. We have to cast our burdens upon him because he is our fortress. War or peace, adversity or prosperity, health or sickness, we are to trust in him. And only he has the solution so that we can endure the testing. Now, in Ukraine, they are being tested. The believers there are testing. Some have left the country. They're trying to protect their families. You can't, make, you can't judge people on their responses as to whether they stayed or left. We don't know any of the details. Numerous families have been split as the wives and children have gone to Poland and as the men stay behind to fight. And there are an enormous number of Christian missions and missionaries that are working, providing literature, providing humanitarian aid, and providing the truth of the gospel. So what we're going to do, I'm going to have Eager come up, and he is going to tell us about what's been going on with him in Jatomer. He is Jatomer is a town of about, what, five or 600,000, something like that, about 90 miles to the west of, from Kiev, and he go, they have power about five hours a day. We provided him with solar panels, with um, generator. Come on up, and uh, that has uh, helped them a lot. And he does a lot of other things. So he's going to uh, take us through. And so eager, just you know, just hit the space bar, and it'll go through. Good evening, we are from Ukraine. Um, I just want to read some passages from Bible. Um, I'm sorry about my English. I hope you understand me. So, is it okay if I read Bible in, fo- in phone? No problem? Okay. Okay, Psalm 100. 24. Uh, this is uh, Psalm, I just want to read uh, verse 1 and 2. And uh, if someone would like ask me, describe one year, last year, this is from this uh, Psalm. Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side... If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when men rose up against us. So, 
God was on our side this last year. This is my testimony. This is like I'm sure God was on our side. Um, before war, some European leaders just said that uh, Kiev will catch for three days. But one year, but we still survive and we're still alive. Of course, war is still ongoing, but Lord was on our side. So I just want to briefly to say something about uh, our ministry, because um, uh, when war started, um, about 70% of our church member, they just left, especially young families. Part of my family also left from Zhitomir because uh, it was very dangerous. Uh, Zhitomir, it's military city. Military city. We had, we, we have about five different military units in Zhitomir. So Zhitomir is about 300,000 people, like population, but we have five different military units. It's different unit. Air forces, special forces, some, some other forces, okay? So, and Zhitomir in the first months, was bombed, a lot of bombed by aircrafts. So, so I have some pictures, but I will show later and uh, to to comment all this picture. But I just wrote some letters, some sentence about our ministry. Uh, okay, in our church we had 400 members before war. Now we have about 100. So a lot of people still living in different countries in Europe or in the western part of Ukraine. So before war, we had some blood services and ministries in our church. Uh, but now we, we still have only one service during the week, only Sunday service. But... Uh, uh, a lot of our... Not a lot of... I guess about five or eight persons, I mean men, who in army right now, uh, two of them died. Uh, so our ministry, and my ministry now is focusing, some, some of our focus is uh, army and some military. Uh, okay, I have some pictures for you and just see what uh, this is very close my friend uh, his name of Sergei and he is uh, in army and he involved me to ministry to our army because he just said me hey do you want to go with me to east of Ukraine and see what what happened in that place I said let's do this because um, in our church, I already told we have we had only one service, so I may have some free time. So I decided to go to east of Ukraine, and we just have some cars, and we went to east of Ukraine, and it was terrible. 
because I said when you living under bombing in Zhitomir, it's a lot of fear. Daniel, my son, he is here, so he remember it's it's terrible time. But when I went to east of Ukraine, I saw all her all tragedy, all all terrible sense what 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 is going in east of Ukraine. In the end of my small presentation, you will see some video of this destruction and uh, how Russian army just destroy everything uh, in the east of Ukraine. So I started to help army, not help, just uh, to support our army. For example, next photo, it's, uh, it's uh, I took this photo about two weeks ago, maybe less. So this is uh, one guy near me, it's from our church, this guy, and uh, um, these people, they live in, in bad condition, you understand what I mean? And this is uh, weather, is very cold weather, so we just decided in our church to buy some uh, uh, fireplace, or how you can call this stove, stove yeah, for woods, and uh, because it's not... Uh, when you came to this soldier, this is not professional soldier. This is uh, people who mobilized it. So this is people who before war, like were like builders, sellers, businessmen, all kinds of profession. But they decided to go to front line and war and to fight for our country. And it's it's not possible to come. Uh, to them and just hey, listen, I want to talk with you about God, because all all our, all military guys they are very open to hear some good news about God, but it's not possible to go and just say hey, sit down here and listen me. So sometimes we want to support them to bring some uh, helps, and uh, this is. Uh, from my uh, trip to east of Ukraine and uh, actually this is a place where we stand, this is school and uh, we stayed in bomb shelter and when we wake up in the morning I just saw this picture so it's uh, this is uh, also a picture uh, I met some guy, uh, American guy. He is military officer in East Europe. He is uh, American officer and he is serving in East Europe. He is Christian, and I met him in Poland because I went to my wife to see wife. It uh, was in May, and he said to me, "Hey, we have some help. We have some stuff for army." If you need something, you can take and deliver to Ukraine, to army. So this is how I start to support our army. So this is drones. Uh, we just uh, want to help our uh, army with drones. And this guy, these two guys, uh, they are dead. 
one of them is Christian, is near me, and another guy I don't know about his. Uh, this guys just find out me that I am helping the army, and they hey, do you have some drones? I say yes. It's for free. It's we're not buying. It's for free, and um, uh, this is. Uh, uh, Promises books we printed in Ukrainian, uh, so we just share some these books with uh, our soldiers. Uh, some pictures. This is it was summer time, and uh, this is a picture because uh, I know uh, your church and Pine Valley Church and other churches and ministries they helped me to buy bus. This is mini buses. Uh, usually, I'm traveling this bus from Ukraine to Poland. Take some uh, helps, humanitarian helps, and some stuff for um, army. Because when I went first time east of Ukraine, what I saw it's a lot of soldiers. They didn't have body armors, helmets, uh, uniforms, or some shoes, because we didn't expect all this war, so we, we were not prepared. So I just uh, trying to help um, our people. And some pictures, it's like uh, a church, and uh, you see some people sitting, it's not uh, young people, almost young people just left church, so... Uh, another part of our ministry, it's uh, what we are doing right now, it's uh, we are helping uh, for families uh, who lost it, their fathers or sons, it's fallen soldiers, soldiers. so it's Christmas uh, period where we just, this is uh, in Zhitomir, we had some this is another church, but we just connected with this church. Uh, about uh, about 150 families who lost it, uh, fathers, sons, uh, husbands in this war, and we're trying to support them. We just have special service every Sunday. They gathering, and we just help some foods, some other stuff. Uh, so this is part of our ministry. Uh, okay, we, this is bus, mini buses, and uh, we just get some food for such families. Uh, so a uh, lot of new opportunities for me and for my church to serve God in this period, and um, this is uh, not easy time because. Uh, Almost every day sirens, uh, almost every week, maybe one time in two weeks, Russia sent uh, rockets to destroy everything in Ukraine, especially in now the target is like electricity plant station. So because no electricity, no water, no heating, no internet, just nothing and um, uh, so we're trying to serve in such condition 
and uh, we have plan for next month this is small video I will show you this is video from um, uh, Germany uh, one guy in Germany he said I just show you uh, he said hey I have some uh, places for cooking you will see and we want to get something like this and go to front line and serve our soldiers and you will see how Okay, this is mobile kitchen or mobile uh, stove for pizza. Uh, what we what do we want to do? We want to get five or six uh, this stove, right? And uh, it's gas and go to front line and feed our soldiers and talk about God with them because it's very open when you cook some pizza have some coffee tea coffee and tea and just talk about God it's it's not regular service you understand what I mean this is like uh, no barriers and soldiers were open because they stay in front light without all good conditions without uh, hamburgers pizza coca-cola donuts and everything they sometimes do not eat in every day because this is war and they still open for gospel that's why we want to use such things to talk and to feed and to support because they fighting also for us so this is some new opportunity for us so we are praying we already bought some of this stuff so uh, my team is there waiting for me uh, because we have some good team and we just want to, to do all these things and in uh, Zhitomir I told you this is like military city we, we have uh, about four training center for soldiers and uh, they came for training and we have opportunity to go to the center and to talk about God and to do some su such things and for the last six months um, because we help it a lot of people I have good connection with uh, high officers high rank officers in Ukraine army so I have a lot of permissions to do a lot of ministry in army because you if you like average person you cannot come to army and say hey I want to just talk about God no, this is forbidden. This is war, and this is. But uh, I have a lot of permission. Reason why I here, because I have permission to leave my country. Almost all men they cannot do this. So, and I just want to show you some video. This is from internet, but this is describe and show you uh, what Russian did and still doing. In Ukraine this is city of Mariupol Mariupol this is a city in uh, east south of Ukraine near Azov Sea 
and uh, this is most uh, terrible f place in this war. Uh, probably more than 50,000 people died in the city. And we don't know for sure, maybe more. Uh, this is video before and after. Uh, I just want to say thank you for all your prayers for us, supporting, and uh, this means for us a lot of. We just feel this, and we know that uh, we are protected by God, we in God's hands, so thank you very much, and I am so happy to be with you today, because it's uh, like a couple weeks for us, it's like not relaxing, but it's like, um, first of all, we just uh, want to see, you know, it's like a reunion for our family, because uh, Daniel uh, was not with us, and Sophia, she is in Poland, so this is a good time for us to be like one family, because who knows what happened in next month, because we're planning to back to Ukraine, uh, me, Julia, and Matthew, so... Anyway, but I'm so thankful. Thank you. We've got church and the director of the Bible College, and he and his wife. And their kids had lived upstairs from at Jim's house, and um, uh, the kids are all grown, and they're in college. Aren't they all over in Poland somewhere going to school? Yeah. So anyway, he recorded this for us because, like right now, it's 4:20 in the morning there, so we didn't want him to have to do a live presentation. So. Hello, my name is Alek Lazinski. I am pastor of the Word of God Bible Church here of Ukraine. In this presentation, I want to tell you about the spiritual impact of the war in Ukraine. How has it affected the ministry? How has it affected the church? What are the people in the church doing for ministry during this time? What is happening with evangelism and Bible teaching? I want to tell you about our people and how they meet and stay in these difficulties. The ministry in Ukraine has changed a lot during this year of war. From the first day of the Russian inv invasion into Ukraine, individual believers, missions, and churches have been actively helping those who suffered from the aggression, both physically and spiritually. Many food packages, water, and basic necessities were distributed in the regions most uh, affected by the occupation. In addition to material help, many Christians are holding evangelistic meetings and many conversations with both Christians and non-Christians. There was also a big need to serve wounded soldiers and civilians as well. Christians regularly visit hospitals and serve the wounded by the word of God, by hand and financially. They take care of their own people and those who came for help. Here are some examples. 
Gennady is a pastor of the church uh, in a little village, Sinkivka, in the Kiev region. He invited local people and those who fled from the war to the church and provided them with food and basic necessities. Besides that, he held individual conversation with each of them and shared the gospel. Later, they were invited again for a meeting where they talked about spiritual things. He does a lot of ministering to unbelievers, including soldiers. Along with the others, he visits them at the military position and in the hospitals. Irpin, Irpin is a city in the Kiev region. You have probably heard about Bucha and Irpin already. One of the graduates of the Word of God Bible College, Viktor Munkos, served there for many years. From the first days, they provided temporary shelter in the church facility for the refugees from that area and for the others from occupied territories. Those refugees not only received physical help, but were also able to hear the word of God and the preaching of the gospel. During the first month of the occupation of the city, Oksana Sinko, who is a member of our church, actively participated in this ministry too. Sasha Petrenka is another graduate of the Word of God Bible College. Sasha is pastoring in the north of Ukraine. He is faithfully serving the believers who remained in their village and the non-believers who came looking for help. Along with the others, he goes to the front line to visit the soldiers where he shared the gospel, distributed New Testament evangelistic tracts and audio Bibles that we received from the Christians in America. Another of our graduates is Vasil Munko. He serves as a pastor in the city of Lviv, western Ukraine. The church provides the church facility for service to the refugees and as a temporary shelter. And in addition, they regularly help them with food and basic necessities. I have much to say about those who keep doing their ministry in spite of the war. Luda Grimova spent about three months in Poland serving refugees there. Lucia Dolgopolova serves in the Czech Republic. Jenny Savchenko pastoring in Barishevka while his family is in Austria. And I believe you know Igor Smolar, so he will tell you about his ministry. Now so many of our people are scared, not only in the territory of Ukraine, but also all over the world. People from our church are in several European countries and in America. In some churches, the number of people has significantly decreased. People just fled from war. In the other, believers from the occupied territories have arrived to replace those who left. And now they have and do a very good ministry there. There are many testimonies that unbelievers came to church and that get saved by faith in Jesus Christ. So there are some people who already have been baptized and some who more to be. Many Christians, many churches have switched to online meeting on a regular basis. The Word of God Bible Church has been gathering for a prayer meeting 
through Google Meet since the Russian troops first invaded Ukraine. And today we still hold two prayer meetings every day, one in the morning and one in the evening. In total, it, it is at least two hours of prayer. We also hold meetings twice a week to study the Word of God. We also gather for Sunday worship every Sunday. The interests of believers have changed a lot. Spiritual things have become very important for them now. As individuals, we help soldiers as well as civilians who flee from the war. Recently, another need has arisen. It is to serve the families of those who are currently serving and those who died. And even though you expect a reaction from those who have lost their loved ones, it is still a huge challenge for us to serve these people. They have a lot of such different and very strong emotions. Sometimes they have such a radical attitude to God and to Christians and to Christianity as a whole. The big challenge for a pastor today is emotions that the believers are experiencing now. Many of them function uh, on the basis of their emotion and not on the word of God. Many Christians react as unbelievers. At the same time, unbelievers who are also full of emotions are looking for the answer and for help. They come to the church where they meet confused, scared and disappointed believers. Now it is absolutely necessary for us to learn how to behave as God's children in our reactions and our attitudes. So we may be a light for the word and help to each other. I continue to teach the word of God to prepare the believers to face the conflict with faith in God, knowing that he has a purpose for each of us at this time and that he wants us to, faithful even, uh, to be faithful even in the midst of war. Many Christians in Ukraine support each other with the prayer and with the material things, but support of Christians from the other countries help us a lot more. Material help is needed, especially in those cities that were or are under occupation and that are close to the front line. Now we all need prayer support and words of encouragement as the people in the churches and the leaders as well. What we are experiencing now is absolutely different, a very difficult and dangerous life. It is not what we are used to. From a human point of view, we are not able to handle this, but relying on God, we can live on. Above all, I want to thank each of you who devotes at least one minute of your time to help Ukrainians. Give even one penny and even one praise to God for Ukraine. We need it. We appreciate it very much. We are so thankful for you, for your church, and the support that you have given us. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for sending Robbie Dean to prepare our Christian leaders by teaching at the Word of God Bible College. I also want to give thanks for Jim Myers, 
who spent so many years here faithfully teaching us the word of God and preparing us to face all the horrors of this terrible war. Thank you. The eternal God is our refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. One of the things that I have stressed in my ministry is learning the Word of God. You heard about the promise books. The Bible college, by the time they finished, they'd been required to memorize more than 200 Bible verses. What do you memorize? Well, get the promise book. You can start memorizing those. I don't know. How many promises do you have in there, Robbie? I don't know. I can count them. You need to count them. (laughs) And people have asked me, what came to your mind as you were fleeing the war in Ukraine? Many promises. Many promises. And you get to a time like that and you say, I should have memorized more. I would encourage you, get into the Word of God. Because the day of trouble will come here. And now is the time of your preparation. Because if you don't prepare today, tomorrow you're going to say, I should have done more. I have uh, much to say, but I will not say it tonight because our time is almost up. But I would like to... You have at least ten minutes. At least ten minutes. Wonderful. <laughs> I can do that. I would like to read a couple of letters from our people in Ukraine. This is from Luda Ugrimova. Many of you know her. She has been here, and she has given her testimony here. Marvelous woman, great evangelist, wonderful Bible teacher, godly woman, faithful. But she's a single woman. She lives alone. She's been in her apartment in Irpine, Often they only have two hours of electricity in a day. And so she sits all alone in an apartment that's dark and cold, no heat, no internet, no electricity. And she hears the air raid sirens. And sometimes she says, I hear the bombs exploding all night long. How would you feel? What would you be thinking? She said, Pray for me to have a balance between service and rest. She's a tireless worker. She said, Pray that I wouldn't miss my home so much and that I would not immerse myself in self-pity. May God use me in a new place, in a new way of ministry, as He wills. And may I be ready for that ministry. She wrote to me and she said, Thank you 
for teaching us the word of God because this is what has prepared me for today. I live today and I do not know what will happen tomorrow. My tomorrow belongs to the Lord. Pray that I will not be worried about what may happen next and I would trust the Lord and be grateful for everything. Thank you for your prayers and donation. She continues to serve the Lord. She has suffered health problems. She just got out of the hospital, two weeks in the hospital. And she's going back to serving the Lord. Marvelous testimony of one who has taken in the Word of God and relies on that Word day by day. Dennis Shamroff and his wife Albina, their son Luke, are living in Poland right now. He is the latest graduate from Word of God Bible College man with a tremendous gift. He's going to make a great pastor. He's from Belarus. But when the war started, he went to Poland. His fear was if he went to Belarus, he would be drafted into the army and be required to fight against Ukraine, which he does not want to do. It's not. He said, I'm not afraid of serving in the military. I know the Lord will take care of me. But he didn't want to fight against Ukraine. But he's in Poland, and he's teaching. He went out and found a ministry. That's his heart. That's his gift. And he's exercising that. And after the war began, he wrote and thanked me not only for the doctrine that he learned at the Bible college, but he said, thank you for making us memorize Scripture. That is what has sustained us. It gives you iron in the soul. It gives you strength and stability. I got this letter today. It makes me very sad. I want to share the pictures that he sent with this letter. It shows Ukrainian heroes from Rozhivka, which is the village where Phyllis and I live. This is where Oleg lives. The letter I received is from Oleg's brother, who lives not far from us in this village. And I got this letter today that two of the men from our village were killed yesterday. This is Vitali, Vitali Truba. His military handle is Popeye. None of them are, is called by their proper name. Uh, they don't want to give away any personal information in their communication, so everybody has a nickname. His name is Popeye. He died yesterday. Pray for his wife, Tonya, and their son, Zhenya. Right now, Oleg is not at home. Oleg is on his way to 
the city of Nipro with this man's son. The man was killed yesterday in a bomb explosion that burned them beyond recognition. And for some reason, his documents, whatever he had on his body, could not be found. And so his son is going to have to go and identify his father. Oleg told me today that he has been talking to the widow. She came to him. Very distressed, as you can imagine. Overcome with grief. Oleg and his wife have spent several hours now talking to her about the plan of God. So pray for Tonya and Jinya. This is Sergei Konanchuk. His military handle is Ukrop. Died. Fighting for freedom, fighting to defend his home, his wife, his daughter. So pray for his wife Lena and their daughter. This is Volodymyr Lazinski. We just know him as Vova, that's the nickname. Here's his letter. Thank you for your prayers. Yesterday, two of my comrades from my village, Rozhevka, Vitaly Truba, and Sergei Konanchuk, were killed by a guided missile that hit the house where they were. I had my training with them, and I was supposed to be a commander of that unit. But the Lord moved Vova to a rear position to be an analyst. Otherwise, Vova would have been with these men. So it goes on and he said, Today I went to that place to take their bodies where they remained. Their bodies were almost completely burned. The feeling that God takes care of me does not leave me even though I have to be where I am. And now in that place there are ashes ashes, and tokens. Very hard to see. Vova, strong believer in the Lord, Vova has given the gospel to all of the men from our village. He's been faithfully witnessing to them, faithfully praying for them. To my knowledge, none of them has become a believer, and and yet Vova continues to witness to them. And he tells them, I pray for you. One of the men said to him, well, I don't pray and I'm still here. (laughs) As if to say, what good would the prayer do? And Vova says, how do you know that you're not here because I prayed for you? You see? But now, 
these men have died, we have opportunity to minister to that unit, to their families. And I'm praying that many people are going to come to faith in Jesus Christ because of what's going on in Ukraine. And that many Christians are going to be strengthened in their faith. There are churches all around Ukraine where they have trained men, those who can teach the Word of God, those who have a gospel of grace, faith alone in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. And that's going out. And there are people who are coming to faith in Christ. And there are faithful Christians around Ukraine. And many now have been scattered to many nations in Europe. Some are even here in the United States. Standing firm in their faith and giving the glory to God, testifying of the grace of God. Hope, continue to pray for these people. This is why we do missions. We do missions so that we can take the Word of God to many places. And we don't know what impact all of this is going to have, but we know this. You had a part in it. All of you who have prayed for the ministry in Ukraine, those of you who have given to support the ministry in Ukraine. That's you. It's your ministry. And what is happening there through the believers is because you've been faithful in your prayers and in your support. And I want to say thank you for that. I do believe that there will be reward for your participation in the gospel. We don't know what lies ahead for Ukraine or for you right here. We don't know. Things could fall apart tomorrow. Are you ready? And we need to be prepared for whatever comes. Phyllis and I had to leave Ukraine a year ago. Didn't know what we were going to do, where we were going to go, where we were going to live. But the Lord has provided and our ministry has not ended. We've been greatly blessed in the last year. We've traveled through some 31 states. We've been in several countries. The Lord has opened up other avenues for us to do ministry. So we are blessed in that uh, we're going to be able to go to Ukraine two times in the next few months. I'm going to go to Ukraine at the end of March and then I have a six day conference in Poland in April I'll go to Zambia for three weeks in May I will be in Ukraine teaching in western Ukraine for two weeks people want us to come and teach the word of God 
And then it looks like Brazil's going to open back up, and so we're scheduled to go there in August for two weeks. So missions, I believe, is very important. The United States is still here by the grace of God. It's only his mercy that has allowed us to survive for this long. And I believe that we could cite a couple of reasons why God has been pleased to spare America the judgment that we deserve. One is that we continue to print and distribute Bibles in over a thousand languages. They are printed here and they are sent around the world often at no cost to the recipients. And if America goes down, then that source of Scripture is going to be gone as well. But I believe also another reason why America is still here is because we continue to be the greatest missionary sending nation in the world. Thousands upon thousands of Americans are serving the Lord in foreign countries. And if America goes down, these missionaries aren't going to have support. So if you love this country, if you're patriotic, support your missionaries. So I want to thank all of you for your prayers for Ukraine, for this ministry, for my ministry. It's our desire that the Lord be glorified in all of this. And you have a big part in that. So I'm grateful for this opportunity. And I just pray that because of what you've seen tonight, you're going to be motivated in your own spiritual life with regard to learning the Word of God, memorizing the Word of God, praying for Ukraine, praying for missionaries, praying for the United States of America. So I give thanks for this. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we give thanks that you are a long-suffering God. You've not dealt with us according to our sins. You've not rewarded us according to our iniquities. But you've been merciful to us. For this we give you praise. Father, tonight I thank you for the testimony of your children who have stood firm in this time of trouble. I thank you for Eager, his ministry, his testimony of your faithfulness to him and his family, but also that you continue to open doors that he can take the word, the gospel message, to those who are on the front lines, to those who are in his city, people who are hurting, many people who have lost everything. I pray that you'll continue to provide for his needs and you'll continue to watch over and keep him safe. We give thanks also for Oleg and his faithfulness and how he continues to minister to the people in Kiev and in the other 
places where he's been able to go. We thank you for the outreach that he has through the Internet. May that increase. And we give thanks for faithful men all around Ukraine. Many have gone in harm's way. They've gone into places of great danger, trusting you because they want more to know you and your son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you're going to continue to protect them, provide for them the material things they need. Father, we pray that you might bring victory to Ukraine, that the enemy would be completely driven out so that there might be peace in that land once again so that we can have freedom to proclaim Jesus as the only Savior so that there can be freedom in the teaching of your word. And Father, in all things, we pray that most of all you're going to be glorified through your people. I pray that there's going to be a great revival because of what's happening now because you can take all things and make them work together for good to those who love you, to those who are the called according to your purpose. I thank you for this time we've had tonight. I pray that you'll sanctify it. May it motivate us in our own spiritual lives. May you be glorified through all of this. We ask this in the name of the one who loved us and gave himself for us, Even Jesus Christ, our Savior, in his name we pray. Amen.